This is Utah Jazz Playoff Basketball on the Zone Sports Network. The Utah Jazz went to Memphis and did exactly what a one seed should do. Late in games, they closed out victories. Now leading the series three games to one, they return home for Game 5 on Wednesday. A 7.30 tip-off with pregame shows starting at 6.30 on the Zone Sports Network. When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every moment on the zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5. And uh, 1280 The Zone, it's time to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's get out of the zone phone. He works on the Grizzlies broadcast. We welcome him back to the big show. He is Rob Fisher. What's going on, Rob? How much, fellas? How you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Um, Playoff time in this town as we talk to you about playoff time in Memphis. Playoff time in Salt Lake City is pretty fun, so there's a good vibe out there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, it looks great, and, you know, the crowds looked great, and I, I know we had a you know, a couple of bad apples, but, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, it doesn't reflect, you know, Salt Lake City or the, the fans of the Utah Jazz. And um, I, I know the the players enjoyed playing in that atmosphere, and I know they enjoyed playing back here. So uh, looking forward to tonight and hopefully uh, sending it back to Memphis for one more. Is that is that is that really the attitude back there, or did those bad apples, as you call it, did did uh, did all jazz fans get get lumped in with that? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think especially because you know Ja was quick to even point that out that you know there were a lot of great fans, and T Morant went on the radio here in Memphis, and and he talked about it. he's like, hey, there were a lot of great people that were sitting by us, you know, and most of them were, and. We were just trash-talking each other and buying each other drinks and cheering each other, and he said there were just a couple of uh, bad seeds. So, yeah, I, I think people are – you know, I, I don't think anybody looks at it and, and thought it was the whole Salt Lake City or the whole Utah Jazz fans as a whole. I, I think if they did, they're, you know, they're, they're fooling themselves. And, you know, but I think reasonable people know that you can have that anywhere, you know, and – and before you start bad-mouthing fans, you better watch out because it could happen in your own building, too. Because when you're talking about twelve, you know, to 18,000 people, depending on how many are being let in the building right now, there are going to be a few bad apples in that group. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just the, the, the law of averages. You're going to have a couple of uh, bad people in there, and you just hope that something doesn't happen around them. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that it, it did happen there. But I... I I think reasonable people look at it that way. Now, finding reasonable people people can can be difficult, but <laughs> I think that uh, that that's how it's looked at here. I, I don't think there's anything, you know. It's playoff time. We're trying to find reasons why to hate the Utah Jazz. So if it's the three fans that bother us that much, not like the Utah Jazz, well, so be it. Maybe that's why we don't like them this time of year. 
<laughs> so, Rob, I want to I want to give you my take on what I expect to happen tonight. And somebody who's familiar with the Grizzlies, uh, I want you to uh, to uh, add there to or disagree or or however you react. But I do up front. I do expect the Jazz to win tonight. Uh, they had one heck of a year, and I think at, at the moment they're the better team. But well, this Memphis team, uh, they're they're the youngest team to make the playoffs in a long, long time. They're extraordinarily well coached, at least from my standpoint. And I've been really impressed with the amount of fight and energy that they bring to the table which as you know you don't always see in in really young teams so I guess tonight I do expect a jazz victory but I I expect Memphis to to put up one hell of a fight and it to be a great game yeah I think I I agree with that I I think uh, the Grizzlies will you know they'll they'll do what they've done and there's no reason to think they won't fight uh, because they've they've done it every game and if you think they won't fight because they're down 3-1, I mean, it's kind of how every game's gone. They've, they've been down big, and they have fought back and got themselves in position to, to potentially win those games, and then the Jazz would just close them off in, in the final few minutes and, 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 you know, just close the door on them and, and turn the water off and, and defend and knock down shots and just execute down the stretch and be clutch as they've been all season long, and they've done it in this series. So, yeah, you know these these games are weird. These these uh, closeout games can be weird because when you're down three games to one, a lot of times you can see if one team jumps on the other, then it you know it's just it, it's over and the off season starts early. But I don't know. I, I don't see that in this Grizzlies team. I, I I see them fighting. I I think they're they're young enough to where they just don't know any better. So I I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to lay down and and let the Jazz have game five. I, I think they're going to give it everything they got, and, and, and they'll fight. And, you know, whether or not that's a good enough remains to be seen. But, you know, I, I think they're still a confident group that that they can win, that they can they can go toe-to-toe with them. And if things go their way, they can come away with a victory and at least try one more day back in Memphis. You know, it, it's so cliché. It's one of the, you know, most used cliches in all of sports of one day at a time. But this Grizzlies team has really, truly gone by that mantra throughout these first two seasons under Taylor Jenkins. They truly do not get too high. They do not get too low. They take it one game at a time. And, um, you know, their, their only focus right now is tonight's game, I'm sure. So, yeah, I would expect a great effort from, from the Grizzlies tonight and, you know, we, we've said it throughout this series, and we said it after game four after dropping both games at FedEx Forum. You know, the thing that I've enjoyed about this series and the thing I think I'll enjoy about tonight is if the Jazz are to win tonight, the Grizzlies are going to make them earn it. And, and I think the Grizzlies have made the Jazz earn all three victories so far this series, and to the Jazz credit, they've done it. Rob, from your vantage point, why are the Jazz winning this series thus far? Yeah, they're the number one seed. They're better. <laughs> they're just – they're a better team. Um, you know, I, I think you look at the Grizzlies and, you know, they're, I, I don't like to use the excuse of young team because it, whenever things don't go well, you talk about it as because it's a young team. It's just a very easy excuse to use. So, so I'm not using it with the Grizzlies, but, but the Grizzlies are learning. I mean, that, that, that's part of being a young team is learning how to win, is learning how to produce in these sorts of situations. And, you know, I think the Jazz have been built, and I think the Jazz were built as a team that, that last year many expected what you're seeing from the Jazz this season. And it just didn't come together as well as I think everybody had hoped last year for Utah. Now this year it is. 
and it's a veteran team with all-star players and and guys who, you know, when the game's on the line, they know what to do. They know how to get it done. Um, they they don't flinch. They they stay calm. I mean, what Mike Conley's done in this series, he's just such a calming influence when things go bad um, that he just keeps control. And what Donovan Mitchell's done and the shots he's made in big-time situations, you know, and it goes up and down the roster. It's not just the All-Stars. It's not just Conley and Mitchell and Gobert. It's, it's Bogdanovich hitting the big shot. It's, it's Royce O'Neal who – you know, maybe one of the unsung heroes of this series is is this guy who it seems every shot that he hits is a three and every shot that he hits is a dagger and just a deflating one. If the Grizzlies are making a run or, um, you know, they cut it to two and then all of a sudden Royce O'Neal out of nowhere knocks down a three to make it five. I mean, they just – Taylor Jenkins said it the other night and he's exactly right. The Jazz have just had an answer for everything. And they, they, they just—they're playing like a one seed. They're playing like a well-oiled machine, which they did throughout the regular season. So, it doesn't surprise me that the Jazz are up three games to one. It doesn't surprise me the way they did it. I mean, the bottom line is, I, I think for the Grizzlies right now, the Jazz in these last three games have shot above their average on three-pointers made. Game one, they shot below their average in three-pointers made. They got to keep them below their average. Have to uh, to have a chance to win because the Grizzlies are not a three-point shooting team. So you've got to keep the Jazz below their average. And uh, right now, the Grizzlies haven't been able to do that in the last three. You mentioned Mike Conley. Uh, what was the vibe in that building like when he was introduced on? Uh, I guess it would have been Friday. It was warm. <laughs> it was kind of kind of warm. I mean, it was uh, it was a good reception for Mike, and it's it's been funny because I think everybody has pretty much said the same thing hate to root against him, you know, because we, we do, you know, he's, he's one of our guys and he'll always be a Memphis Grizzly in our hearts. And uh, his number will go up in the rafters when his career's over. And, um, you know, he, he meant so much to this organization that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll always have a special place uh, in Memphis. And so I, I think it's been difficult and, you know, fans have, have enjoyed, Seeing him, fans have, you know, death by Mike Conley is just a brutal thing to go through. And the Grizzlies have been going through it here in the last couple of weeks because of the way that he's played. He might be the MVP of the series. And, and it's, been, it's been hard to see, but we've seen it before. Everything that he does, it's like, all right, we've seen this Mike Conley before. We know what this guy's capable of. And, and, it's, uh, and it hurts. But, you know, everybody, when this series is over, everybody's going to be happy for Mike and everybody's going to, Wish Mike all the best. It's just uh, want to beat him now, but I don't. I don't think there's any ill will, and there never will be to Mike Conley at all. Rob, will you explain to our listeners uh, uh, the puzzle in their minds that is Dylan Brooks? I mean, he's he's fiery. He plays hard. He plays both ends of the floor, and he complains about every call. What 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 what's the deal with him? <laughs> He is, he's passionate. Um, it, it's been an amazing roller coaster ride with Dylan Brooks because when, you know, he was drafted as a second round guy, came out, thought he should have been drafted higher, had a chip on his shoulder, and uh, he played like he had that chip on his shoulder. And, you know, and, but then he, he played so erratic at times where he would, uh, he would take bad shots, he'd make Hi, poor guys. decisions. I'm 
and and you know people then got upset with Dylan Brooks, and then all of a sudden he goes on a tear where he scores twenty for uh, a month in a row, and and is playing great defense, and he gets a big contract, and we're thinking, wow, we just got to steal with the contract we got with Dylan Brooks, and then after he signs that contract last year. He went on the worst slump of his career, and everybody thought, oh, great, what are we doing? Now how are we going to get rid of Dylan Brooks? And then this year it just kind of all came together. I mean, this is a guy who had played erratic, had played out of control, and now this year it's almost organized chaos where the shot selection's a lot better, the discipline that he has. I think it finally clicked for Dylan Brooks that he's going to make his niche in this league as a defensive stopper. And everything that happens offensively is just bonus. And I think he's taken that to heart, and he's become that guy. And he's he, what he's developed into is one of those great guys that you want to have on your team, a guy that everybody hates to play against, and you love to have him on your team, but you hate to play against him. Um, you know, and that everybody would love to have him, but everybody hates him when he's not on your team. And I think that's what's happened with Dylan Brooks. He's, he's turned into that guy. And in the last two months, you know, he's been so good – uh, both ways that, you know, you hope this is the Dylan Brooks that we can expect going forward in his career because the way that he's played the last month and a half, he's definitely a big part of what the Grizzlies' future is going to be. And, and that's being a big defense time defensive player, a guy that could lock down the best players on the other team and a guy that's going to get in the other team's head. But, but on the other end, a guy that can give you 25 points. So he, uh, he's, he's developed and I think matured Maybe matured is the wrong word because you watch him play and you wouldn't say mature is, is the right word for it. But he's he's matured into the player, I think, that he's going to be the rest of his career. And it's been fun to watch the transformation. I mean, if, if there's anybody on this Grizzlies team, John Morant kind of had a name before the playoffs started, and he certainly has solidified his name. But Dylan Brooks has become a name just through these playoffs, and I think he's earned it with the play. Back to uh, tonight's game specifically for a moment. I thought a, an interesting adjustment in the second half of game number four, uh, Rob, Jaron Jackson Jr. ended up playing the big, uh, which uh, does a couple of things. It can bring Rudy Gobert out of the paint. He's a more switchy player than Valanciunas, so allows him a little fle- flexibility on defense. And I thought it was, it was uh, effective. You expect to see maybe that a little bit more tonight? I don't know, because when the Grizzlies have tried it, since Jaron's been back from the injury, it has not been effective. I mean, I, that it, it was the other night, but for the most part, it hasn't been. Um, just because Jaron gets in foul trouble when he's playing that position, when he's around the basket more, and he has has to be, he's forced to be more active, um, Jaron can get himself in a lot of foul trouble. So, And that's kind of been the case since he's been back from his injury. But it did work the other night. I, I think... It'll be interesting to see tonight because now it's you know now it's do or die. Now it's any ideas that you have, you put them on the table. You know, does Brandon Clark get another shot tonight uh, to to maybe do something? I I don't know. Uh, if the guys on the bench aren't producing, did they expand your bench players and go try a couple of different guys, or do you just shut them down entirely and play your starters just maximum minutes? I. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I, I think one of the things that I've looked at in this series has been Rudy Gobert's done a great job to, to almost make Jonas Valanciunas silent. And when you look at the course of this season, Valanciunas has been anything but silent. And I think the thing for Grizzlies fans is 
when Valanchunas is out there, on most nights you have an advantage. In series like this against Rudy Gobert, you feel like you at least neutralize it. Well, it hasn't been neutralized the last three games. Valanchunas has been in foul trouble. We haven't seen him put up the monster numbers. So I I think for the Grizzlies, a, a positive sign would be to get Jonas Valanciunas going tonight. And if he can get going and neutralize Rudy Gobert a little bit, like he did in game one, uh, then, you know, maybe the Grizzlies have a shot. But uh, the Jaron thing, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I think the other night was an aberration more than anything. Well, Rob, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for jumping on with us and enjoy the game tonight. I hope we get to talk again for game seven, fellas. <laughs> hey, we'd gladly do it, Rob. We, we appreciate you jumping on with us a few times. It's been great. Uh, you got it. Enjoy it tonight. Back at you, buddy. Uh, there you go. That's uh, our friend Rob Fisher from uh, uh, the Grizzlies broadcast does their pre and post and some sideline work as well. So what are you expecting tonight, Jake? I well, mean, what I, I told them, I, I think Grizzlies will fight hard and I think the Jazz will win. Uh, I mean, from a standpoint of what the Grizzlies like to do is they like to cause turnovers and get out in transition. That's that's what they do. That's that's what they specialize in, right? And you, I think it was you or maybe it was Tim, somebody called John Moran a one-man fast break. Uh, that's kind of what he is, and that's when they are most effective. But check me if I'm wrong on this, but in that last game, how many turnovers did the Jazz have? It was fewer. Uh, let's see, 11. Okay, so it's that's, that's south of where, they, where they've where averaged. That's not bad. Yeah. 11's fine. So... So I, you know, if the Jazz take care of the ball tonight, they they should utilize their spacing, have Rudy down low, punish him down low if they uh, if they come off him, and if they don't, then uh, then move the ball until you hit the open man and let him shoot the ball. They take care of it though up until that point, and then the Jazz are in good shape and hit the offensive boards if you can. Uh, the rebounds was a big deal. <clears throat> Um, in the last game, you could tell the Jazz made a particular emphasis on it that uh, the offensive rebounding had hurt them um, in the, you know, what uh, what would have been game number, well, certainly game number one, but it hurt them in game number three as well. I think there and, were 16 for the Grizz, if I remember. Right. And, uh, man, did they box out well in game four. That was, that was a big key component to their success. And I keep bringing this up, but Jordan Clarkson himself had a couple of just textbook blockouts um, in that game. And so I, I think that continues to be key. Keep uh, uh, Memphis off the board same way you want to keep them, as you mentioned, out of transition yeah. because that's that's their game and that's what they want to do. Slow them down, put them in the half court, and uh, that that is how the Jazz – and feed them to Rudy. I mean, that's the idea. That's that's yep. what the, the Jazz defense is built on and yep. uh, is capable of being successful against the Grizzlies team. I asked Rob about the, the Jaron Jackson thing, and he's not very high on it, but – that that would be the most effective lineup, in my opinion, going up against Rudy Gobert. Because I agree with what he said there. Rudy has neutralized Valanciunas and made him a negative factor in the series, well, which Valanciunas isn't easy to still, do. He was six of ten from the floor. I'm not the, talking about numbers. I'm yeah. talking about the way they have to guard the Jazz yeah. because yeah. he can't switch. So he has to. They, they have to play the dropped big, and the Jazz are going to eat the drop big for lunch. They're just going to do it. So you have to either take him off the floor. Or suffer the consequences. Well, that's difficult because he's one of their best players. The Jazz have <laughs> faced the very same problem, uh, those series against the Rockets. Yeah. So, I mean, Jazz fans are probably pretty familiar with what it is to have a team 
completely exploit the way that you play. What if you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So you either have to take one of your best players off the floor, or you have to concede to the game plan that the Jazz are bringing to the table. Or you just understand that the Jazz are the better team. So roll over. <laughs> that, that, won't that won't happen. That will All right, happen. guys, we're done. I would uh, I would uh, predict a fist fight before I would predict yeah, that. Nobody's nobody's doing that. No. But they they have painted. Memphis into a corner, but because I bet you Rob's pretty dialed in with the overall thought about playing Jaron Jackson at the big. It's probably something they don't want to do, mm-hmm. but they went to it in game four and it disrupted at least a little bit. I shouldn't say even disrupted, but it gave but the Jazz something Val- to think but about. But if you don't have Valanciunas in there, you also now you're you're giving up on one of your on rebounding because he's a good rebounder, right? Mm-hmm. So. You, you, you rob Peter to pay Paul. You do. All right. Well, we'll see what they do. I, I don't know what. Uh, I don't either. Says in mind. But apparently, the Jaron Jackson at the big has not been a great lineup for them. So I, maybe we won't see that tonight. I thought we would. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the ball go into Rudy early. Unlike in the last game where they he, he touched the ball a couple times. In the first half, scored one point. Well, when they drop the big, it makes it hard for Rudy yeah. to be effective offensively. Yeah. That we we've known that, and that's how Valanciunas is playing. And then you see the Jazz hit fifty percent of their threes, right? So they start guarding the three and not dropping the big, and Rudy will get some more opportunity. I thought his his production in the second half was purely. I shouldn't say purely because I don't know that for a fact, but I thought it had a lot to do with Rudy. Not so much the way anybody was playing, but Rudy saying, I'm going to catch this thing. Play with force. And I am going to do what I want to do with the ball. I I can't say enough how much I love that drop step on Valanciunas. If he could do that consistently, all of a sudden one of his biggest flaws is not so flawed anymore. Especially if you mix it with the power dunk. Or or even that little hook we saw in game three, a la (laughs) Marquis. I don't know. Some something, you know, a a variety of skills that makes him effective when the defense is is dropping the big, for example. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, I love the aggressiveness. If you can just force the issue, if you know that you're gonna go up and try to dunk this ball as hard as you can, and if you miss, he's gonna have to foul you. Yeah. That's the only way you're gonna miss. You're gonna dunk in this guy's face so hard that he is going to have to foul you. Yeah. In order for this not to be a, a, a made shot, I like the word you use there, aggressive. You know, if the Jazz come out and play aggressive tonight, then their their odds of winning go up higher and higher. You know, because it's usually if you're the aggressive team, usually the other team is having fouls called on it, uh, and and the Jazz can take command of this game early, and I think chip away at the strength of the Grizzlies, which is their 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 guts and their toughness. If you erode that early, now we saw the, the Grizzlies come back from that 22-point deficit, so they're capable of doing that. But, man, the Jazz could could take a little of their heart away if they, if they really get on it early. And the Jazz are capable of doing that. How many times during the regular season did we see that? And I don't think that that's necessarily just an anomaly of the regular season. It can happen in the postseason as well. We'll see if it does. 
All right, we'll get to more NBA convo coming up right around the corner. We'll talk about that Blazers-Nuggets uh, game and where that series is headed. Uh, very interesting. Actually, uh, I apologize. Scratch that. We have David Locke next. We'll get into that game a little bit later on in the show. Usually David's a little later. I apologize. We moved David up today. 3.30 for David. What's going on for Chris Mannix at 5? Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Jazz could close it out tonight. They lead the Grizzlies three games to one. Game five, of course, here at Vivid Arena. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder doesn't expect the Grizz to make it easy. Well, I think it's something we've talked about, you know, all year long, just the ability to get to the next play. And, you know, I think when your whole team is focused on that, you know, there's always going to be moments where guys drift for whatever reason. Um, it happens to all of us. And I think when there's a collective mindset and understanding that you have to get to the next play together, um, you know, that's that's what you see. And, you know, I, I'm... I'm focused on our guys. I, I think we've been a resilient team, you know, all year long as well. Tip-off tonight here at Vivint Arena will be a little after 7.30. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone begins at 6.30. This update brought to you by Syringa Networks, working for home, uh, from home, excuse me, or with a hybrid workforce. Get a powerful IT partner, Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone, let's get out to the Zone phone. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His appearance on the big show brought to you, as always, by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. He is David Locke. What's going on, David? Not much. How are you? Uh, great. You know, playoff game day is uh, is a pretty good day around here. Uh, let's hope we can get a let's, – how many more of these do you want? <laughs> Uh, I'd settle for a Min- few. Minimum is minimum is thirteen. What is a fair? What's a fair? Would you like? Minimum is thirteen. 
maximum would be 24. Or those are games, not home games, though, right? So games? Right. Yeah. Uh, no, playoff, playoff game day. You didn't, I don't think you said home playoff game day, did you? I uh well maybe I didn't. Good point. Um, let me think here. Well, you don't want the maximum. That's that's a lot. Uh, but the minimum, you know, we want a little back and forth, right? We want a little drama. What do you think, Gordon? Right. Well, if you pick a number too high, then it would be a real slugfest. But if you pick a number that's too high, then obviously the Jazz are in business at the end. So. I mean, you got You can't if you can get out of tonight. At five, I don't think you get another series under six the rest of the way. Yeah. So, David, speaking of tonight, what are you expecting to see? Obviously, the Grizzlies, they play hard. They play tough. The Jazz are the better team. So what happens tonight? Um, I'm not in the prediction business. The odds makers have us as a nine-and-a-half point favorite, I believe. That's pretty dominating for a playoff game. Um, I do – I think I can analyze games a little bit, so I'll do that for you. Um, I do think most of the adjustments are kind of set. Each team, when I rewatch game four, uh, has um, a, a pet play or two that I think is kind of their, their go-to right now that they've kind of figured something out on at different times, and I don't know that there's an answer on either side. So I think, you know, you're beginning to see where teams know what they're going to do. Um, I don't think there's a lot of matchup games alterations to be played here. And I think uh, Taylor Jenkins played a pretty big card in game four when he went to Jaron Jackson at center in Rudy Gobert minutes earlier in the series. He had avoided that, played Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. But trying to go with uh, Jaron Jackson at center as a stretch five shooting to bother Rudy, it did not work. Um, so that was a big play. I think it's interesting to see if they go back to that. But uh, from that that standpoint, um, I think those little things are all relevant. So, David, um, I want to talk about something we brought up in the in crosstalk after game four, but now you've watched the game again. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What went right against John Morant, particularly down the stretch? Really committed to forcing him right to his right hand. Um down the stretch. Well, in general, however you want to answer it. I, I thought they played better against him defensively, and he didn't take yeah, over I mean, down they the were stretch. Re- they were really committed to keeping him his right hand, which I think made him make an extra effort to get – he is uncomfortable going to his right hand. He wants to come right to left. Um, he almost even will – he made some nice plays going left to right in game um, – three of the series, but if he starts top or right and you force him right, that's not actually his preferred deal. Um, we'll see if he adjusts today. Um, but that that's not, I don't think he loves that. So I think that's um, that I think Conley did a nice job of forcing him on into that. I wasn't left with much else, Jake. I'll be honest. I'm trying to think back. I watched the final fourth quarter today you know, we're up 10 with, like, three minutes left. It's kind of over by that point. Right. So, you know, what did the other one I would just say, I, I thought, you know, he's playing 42 minutes a night. It's just a lot. Um, they're doing a good job of hiding him defensively, so he's not wearing out as much on that end as he was. Um, 
otherwise, I don't have a lot on, like, any... Yeah, I don't have... I mean, Royce O'Neal defended him more than Mike Conley, and he's not having a great series when guarded by Royce O'Neal. I think he was 2 of 9 in the game, and he's about 39 of 25 or 27 when guarded by O'Neal in the series. And Royce is big and strong enough. He can go under the pit, force him into some of those threes, and then at the same time get back in front of him and bother him. When Mike goes under, Mike's not big and tall enough to bother him after he goes under and he's working playing the face. David, Jake and I were talking earlier about how much fun it is to watch Rudy Gobert when he's aggressive, whether he's taking passes from the perimeter or someone's driving and dishing to him. When he goes to the basket with authority, it is really fun to watch that kind of power. Do you expect that for tonight? Well, I, mean, I think Rudy plays super hard every night, so I would expect that. I didn't think that he – I didn't get the feeling he didn't do that in the first half, but I felt like there was a play early where Boyan drives to the basket. They got five guys in the key. Five. You know, to some extent still, when a team wants to take Rudy out of the game, they can and I think we took five more threes in the first half than we did in the second half and hit. Like, I think we were like 10 of 19 in the first half from three. In the second half, we, I think, got 14 threes, something in that range. And, like, that doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but that's actually a pretty big difference. And what that was is that, you know, they basically covered the paint. We went 10 of 19 from three. They had to change a little bit, and that allowed Rudy to make a few more plays, and he was fabulous in the second half. Uh, I suspect tonight that Memphis is almost going to go full circle. In the regular season, Memphis forced us to take off-the-bounce three-point shots. did that a little bit in game one and then went away from it in game two. But in the regular season, if you recall, Jonas Valanciunas literally sat on the rim. Like, it was crazy. I'm not sure I'd ever seen anybody play drop to that level. And we, other than Donovan, didn't make those shots. I don't know if they'll go that extreme, but they've been playing Valanchunas close to the point of the screen for a lot of this series without a great deal of success and certainly not any success against Donovan and not any success against Mike. So I suspect that we very well could see them go back to that approach in this game and have us uh, be forced to make off-the-bounce threes again. I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, David, but it's also asking about a different series. Uh, if slash win the Jazz close out Memphis, who, were, who will their opponent be in the second round? Oh, I mean, it certainly feels like it's the Clippers at this point. Um, I do think Denver... Denver's wins were largely predicated on the fact that Denver had an unbelievable shooting games uh, at a level that was not replicable. And then I think that was not replicable. Um, then I think from their standpoint, maybe the scariest thing was that they had a 50% shooting night in game number three and lost. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think, if I'm them, that has to concern me. You shouldn't shoot 50% from three and lose an NBA game. Um, and so the fact that they did that, now you have Luca's health is an issue. Um, it feels as though it's the Clippers. I'd like him to force it to seven. Um, though, frankly, Donovan is so much better with 
um, time off without time off. I'm, I'm not sure that's actually totally true. David, we usually, by the time we get to this point in a series, there are any surprises at all. Do, do you uh, do you think we'll see anything different as far as something new tonight? Um, I mean, I think that last thing I talked about, somewhat new, that you're gonna that you would have, uh, um, you would have the, the you know them forcing us back, drop, changing Valanciunas's spot on the pick and roll. I think would be different. Um, from a jazz standpoint, there's not a lot that I would change if I were them. Um, I think there was one lineup that Memphis played around with a little bit, which was Valanchunas with four guards. So it was Valanchunas, Grayson Allen with John Morant, Desmond Bain, and DeAnthony Melton. It's a super young lineup, but it's four guards, all three of which are really good shooters. And that actually caused us a little bit of trouble. And so I'd suspect we see that again. It also gives them, if you classify Desmond Bain as a good defender, it gives them two good defenders. It does have Dylan Brooks off the floor, which is, you know, they're probably better when Dylan Brooks is on the floor. Um, so keep an eye on that. It also has Kyle Anderson off the floor, which is, you know, I think Kyle Anderson's super good, but he's not a very good shooter. So they played with that lineup for a little bit, which was different and I thought was pretty good. So, um, maybe, the, but you know, you can't, you're not going to like run an extended period of time without your guys. Right. So there's just not like, we all talk about adjustments and it's fun. It's fun to watch. And there's you know, jazz have done a brilliant job and how they space the floor and move guys. I mean, a lot more of that, a lot more of the adjustments is like where someone might be spaced on a pick and roll or how you're, you know, you're used to them defending. And so where you're going to rotate out of and things like that, then, some of the more obvious stuff to us, like personnel or starting lineups or things like that, those happen. I mean, there's the legendary Steve Kerr uh, when Memphis was up two games to one and he takes Andrew Bogut and has him guard Tony Allen. And, you know, that's one of the great playoff adjustments of all time. But I don't, I don't see a lot of – I don't see something like that happening here. Um, and, you know, again, even the, adjust, the two adjustments that I just talked about that I think Memphis would make – I can make a pretty big, good argument. They're both pretty bad ideas. <laughs> so if I was in a meeting with Taylor Jenkins and suddenly said, hey, I think we should drop the big again, cut off the drive on the rim, hug to the shooters and force them to take off the bounce threes, I could get, you know, great. So Donovan's going to score 40. And, like, there's a chance I think Donovan's going to score 40 tonight. I think there's a chance that either Donovan's going to go huge or Rudy's going to go huge tonight. And I think that's what Memphis is going to, you know, almost force that to happen. That either the Jazz are going to get the pick and roll and be able to get the ball to Rudy, which is hard if Valanciunas is dropping, or that they're, I think they're going to just hug our shooters and make us take off the bounce threes at the top and Jordan Clarkson see if he gets, can get going again. And otherwise it's Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell have to make a, a difficult shot. David, I heard you talk about this on Saturday before Saturday's game, but for our listeners uh, in our time slot, curious uh, your thoughts on the passing of the uh, late great Mark Eden. It's just so sad. I mean, really, that's, you know, and, and the pain I, I felt out of Phil Johnson and Thurl Bailey when I talked to him that day was so evident. Um, you know, I was I was fortunate to know Mark. Um I was, you know, I was, but not, not in the way that other people are. I don't want to overstate that in any way, shape or form. Anyone who was fortunate enough to interact with Mark knows um, what was exactly that. They were fortunate enough to interact with Mark. He, uh, the comment I made to a bunch of people 
um, that I've talked to in the last few days about this was the, the beautiful thing about Mark was that any time you were talking with him, it, there was a sincerity to the conversation that you were having with him. He was engaged in that conversation for a guy who literally could have been looking always for his next conversation. Um, you know, he was, he, he was not um, looking for the next conversation. He was engaged in your conversation. Uh, that's always what I was struck with about him. And when the word of his passing came across, that was actually the first thing I thought of. And when I relayed that to people, they've all kind of nodded that, yes, that's a, that's a good um, uh, kind of characterization of him. I, I, you know, the pain that was felt by those close to him, Ron Boone shared the story of calling Thurl and just Thurl screaming um, in anguish uh, upon the news, um, you know, talking to Phil Johnson, that day it was just obvious how, how hard a day it was. I'm driving by Mark's house literally right now, looking out on it um, where he was riding at the time. So probably appropriate. I mean, just a sad day and a really sad day. I live in Park City and a really sad day for the Park City community too, not just the jazz community. He was certainly a part of this community and skiing at Deer Valley virtually every day and just kind of known around town. Everybody had met Mark a few times and uh, I think there's a sadness to that. David, thanks for jumping on with us as always. We'll see you here at the arena tonight. My pleasure. Talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. So he says either Rudy or Donovan are going to go off tonight. Yeah, I could come along with that. Two stars. Uh, somebody else has a big game tonight, too. What about uh, what about Joe Ingles snapping out of it a little bit? That would be different. Taking some shots. Saw Jordan have a nice game in game four. Royce has been consistently good throughout the series. Not an offensive, you know, juggernaut by any means. Mike Conley, terrific. Yeah. So, you know, you can say both those guys, one's going to have a monster game, probably, likely, but some other guys got to do it too. Jordan Clarkson shoot better than 50% tonight. We'll see. He was good the other night. Eight of eighteen. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, we had this discussion I know. yesterday. I know. I know. And I know. He's I look, still, he's a ball I, hog. No, after I've talked with uh, with David about the, how you got to look at the three point percentage and the two point percentage and not jump to any conclusion one way or the other, I'm I'm all about uh, taking it all in. Hmm. We'll have a market update coming up next. Ninety seven oh. five and twelve eighty the zone. Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, time for a market update. Brought to you by TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. How'd the markets do today, Gordon? Jake, the S&P was up just over six points. Bad boy. The NASDAQ was up nearly 20 points. Do it again. And the Dow was up over 25 points. I think it's kind of sexy myself. Do you? <laughs> Wait a minute. Those were what we called drops. They were. The they they were. Okay. So there you go. Good day. Yeah. Overall, everybody's got a little more money. Going to buy a new Porsche? <laughs> if I were going to buy a new Porsche, 
pronounced it's Porsche. pronounced Porsche. It's Porsche. I only have one Porsche. Porsche. It's pronounced Porsche. We can do this all day. We can do this all day. It's your voice. Yeah, it's just like it's your voice that says all those other ridiculous things. But that Magic one w- Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. But that, that one is that, ridiculous. The one that you said that I only have one Porsche. You know, I, that I, was, I only have one Porsche. I had one slip up, and you're killing me for it. Austin, you really aren't still stuck on that whole thing that John Stockton was a better <laughs> point guard than Magic Johnson, right? You said Jake says ridiculous things, and that's the one that came to my mind. Okay. All right. Anyway, it was a good Wait, day. You're on supposed the market, to wash so. your underwear? Everyone, too. <laughs> Had anything uh, pierced lately, Austin? Me? No. Nothing? I have pierced nipples. Man, we went through a bad run of football bets, didn't we? <laughs> we really did. <laughs> didn't we? We yeah, went through a bad did, run. Did that work out well for I us? I ate the garbage. <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> I way overreacted there. I'm sorry. Oh, Get out of the garbage. I like wearing <laughs> socks with sandals. Hmm. Which keep, you denied for years. We, we, we I think Greg Ostertag should be in the NBA Hall of Fame. We lost a lot of bets. We did lose a few. I was right about the only one that mattered, though. Which one was that? The Super Bowl. Why is that the only one that mattered? Because it meant that I didn't have to record one for the the show (laughs) playoff competition. Austin did. And you were so positive the Chiefs were going to win. You were just so positive. Yeah, I kind of (laughs) was. <laughs> obnoxiously certain. I was not obnoxious about it. Talking about how the Bucks shouldn't even show up. <laughs> Where are they even going? Waste of money for well, that. I never said that because they had such a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know, but we had this convo that your love for Tom going up against your love for the favorite and your love for the favorite was going to win out every time. <laughs> I wonder who, if those two teams meet up again, I wonder who the favorite will be. Chiefs. Really? And you'll pick the Chiefs again. <laughs> hey, you just you don't pick against Tom Brady, do you? But you did. <laughs> yes, I did. And I paid the price for it. Uh, yes. All right, coming up next, we have What's Going On. We'll check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Chris Mannix jumps on with us at 5. Chris breaking big Danny Ainge news today, so it's a great, uh, great day to talk to him. Um, coming up next, uh, we've got clips from DJ and PK who talk about the best college basketball player from a Utah school. And Hanson Scotty, who uh, dive into the Grizzlies with their radio play-by-play voice. All right. We'll get to that next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Pitching isn't the problem. It's Mike Trout. He sucks.